This episode is brought to you by First Republic Bank. Thank you for making our show a possibility. Welcome to If These Ovaries <laughs> Could Talk. I'm Jamie. I'm Robin. And we're your hosts. Let me show you. How do I get the sperm through custom? I am a lesbian. So gay. So gay. We need to tell our story. It's not your nuclear family anymore. It's not just your mom and dad. Thing. We're not ruining these little humans. It's not for the gay reason. Just because <laughs> we stay. Hi, guys. Hi. We apologize for our sound. We're on the road and like my sound is bouncing off my my friend's guest bedroom Ooh. and she just moved into this house. So there's like one piece of furniture yeah. in each of the rooms. So <laughs> it's a little bouncy. And I'm in a rented are house. Are you in a bathroom? A, what are you in? No, I'm in a bedroom. I'm in somebody else's bedroom for the weekend though. We rented a house with a bunch of friends and there is no desk to be found in this house. So I have my computer propped up on a bunch of cereal boxes. <laughs> I am propped up on a box of Kleenex and on part of our audio equipment. So that's happening. I've got the Keurig. I have the Keurig box holding up my microphone. We are so professional, Jamie. We're so professional. Oh, my God. It's nice to get out of the city, though, isn't it? It really is. I'm on the beach. It's freezing, but there's like that like nice crisp mm. air that you get that's not polluted. Yeah, it's crisp here, too. And the colors, the trees, they look. it looks so pretty because it hasn't started in New York yet. It's still pretty warm. Well, there's no trees, Jamie. There's two there of them. Are and, two, and, there are trees. Especially yeah, but it's by like, you. It's like, yeah, but there's like one tree and then like 10 feet later, one tree. Yeah. And then 10 feet later. And they're on the sidewalk and you're not you're not looking at those trees for what? like fall foliage. It's oh, so look at funny. that. It's so funny when you get out in nature, you're like, oh my God, look at the colors. Look at the leaves. Like, I know. Oh my God. Well, but Jamie, wait, tell the thing about you were saying about you're traveling with your friend who like <laughs> okay, so I'm, read our book. Okay. So I'm traveling with my friend, Liz. Shout out to Liz. And she's had our book <laughs> since it came out. Because she's a good friend. Because she's a good friend. And she is even mentioned in the book, in the chapter, All Types of Families. I talk about her and her husband in the book, whom we lovingly refer to as Aunt Pat, because we like to keep the <laughs> aunt theme going. Because there are, there are one straight couple that we go um, rent houses with and stuff on vacations. But anyway, so she's, she's like, yesterday she goes, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this. She goes, but I, I just, I just... <laughs> I just, I just read, your read book. The, the chapter, just not even the book, the chapter oh. of the book that, that y- you feature Aunt Pat in. It was really touching. <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks for reading. I love how she wasn't like, I read the whole book. <laughs> no. She was like, I just read the part that was about us. <laughs> and that was so sweet. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> and then the, and she's, she's like, it was really, God, it was really well written. Like, And I'm like, are you shocked? Are you shocked that it was well written? But thank you. Apparently thank you so she much, was. Liz. I mean, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I actually really like how that little story turned out in that chapter. You guys should go check it out. It's a cute little story. Available at all retailers. Also, yeah. the audiobook is available on Amazon and iTunes. Yeah. So go if get these ovaries could talk, the things we've learned about making an LGBTQ, LGBTQ family. family. <laughs> oh, for the love of like God. A, that was like an NPR voice. That was good. I know. I love that. All right. So we want to say, listen, people, if you want to help us make content for LGBTQ families, you should join our Patreon community and you will be doing just that. Mm -hmm. So one, you'd be doing a good thing, Jamie, right? Because you'd be helping us make this content. I was just talking to my friend Liz about it, how good it is. Go ahead. Right? And then two, you would be getting bonus content because Mm -hmm. at the gestational carrier level, we have various levels where you can support us. But at that level, you get video interviews that are uncut of most of our interviews and Mm -hmm. they dropped a day early. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can join Patreon. My friend Liz didn't know this. So I want to let you guys know (laughs) you can join Patreon and support us for as little as $2 a month. I mean, there's a lot Liz didn't know. I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to like put Liz on the line here, but Liz. Liz is watching my kids for me right now. So there's that. Oh, we love Liz. We love Liz. We love Liz so much. (laughs) If you want to join our Patreon community, you're going to go to patreon.com slash ovaries talk. Yeah, do that. Do that. All right. Let's talk who we're bringing in. Ooh. Remember we used to say, bring them in. Remember those yeah, days? And, and we were like, Jamie, no one thinks we're bringing them in right now. No. Nobody thinks that. No, but it was Rosie fun. and Lou. Rosie, Rosie and, Lou. and Lou. The search for Superman, which is the mm-hmm. loving term that we have used to describe the donor search. The donor search can get real, 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 real hairy for a lot of us couples yeah. looking for donor sperm. So, and, what, and what's really cool is that we've talked about like the donor search 
you know, as part of a story. But like in this one, we're just really delving in on their search. I thought it was such a fascinating conversation. Mm -hmm. I do too. And we should point out that they reached out to us because Mm -hmm. they wanted to share their story because they have, they have a, a, a good story. A nice, good story. So we should sure do get your butts over here. We didn't say it like that. I but mean, they typed it up in a Google Doc and sent it, it to us. I was like, okay, obviously, get on email. our podcast. It was it so was. well written. It was like, I think it needs to be published, honestly. Well, listen, I, I brought Helen with me on our trip. So I'm going to just you yell to Helen. You are a brave soul. I'll tell you that Well, much. she was supposed to drive part of the way, but then we realized oh, no. she was drunk. And I no, was no, like, no, she no, can't no. drive. No, so no, she no, sat no. in the back and between my kids and took up most of the space. She uh, slept, fine. right? She snored. She yeah. snores. The whole way. The whole way. I mean, the, the whole way. way. And my kids were like, she's no. And well, I was like, no. She's not. You guys, she's not real. Helen is not I'm our Helen. real assistant. There is no the assistant. Tape. It is just Robin and I. Roll the tape, Helen. <laughs> she smells. Louisa and Rosie. Hello. Hi, Robin and Jamie. Hi. Oh, my God. You're here. It's so nice to have you here. Oh, we're so excited. It's kind of surreal, actually. <laughs> and for our <laughs> listeners, they just had their beautiful baby sitting on their lap and then quietly walked over, put the baby down, and then stepped over for the interview. Jamie. I mean, I can't could you Could you have done that with either of your children? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. 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 But here's what else they came in with. We They came up on the Zoom and they had an If These Overs Could Talk background behind them. I mean. And that's a first. It's a first. And that's something I think we should continue. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> well, you two, we are so excited to have you here. Listeners, we've said it a million times. We love when listeners share their story. It's so wonderful. Should we? Get right to it and do an elevator pitch. Are you all ready? I felt like I was. And now I was like, <laughs> what was I going to say? <laughs> all you right. got this. Wait till oh. I put the timer up to the screen. It's going to absolutely freak but you, you out. Know, right. But listen, you guys are longtime listeners. You know you got this. we're not going to cut you off. There's no pressure. All right. You got On it. your mark. Get set. Go. We're Louisa and Rosie, and we were thinking about our story, and the kind of theme is that good things take time. So we met through a mutual friend at the 21st, and even though we're into each other, it took five years to start dating. And then when we wanted to start our family, we were searching for the right person to help us, and it took seven years to find our known donor, and he was lucky number seven of all the men, and it was our seventh try of time that we got pregnant. Yeah, us. Seven. First of all, 30 seconds on the nose. I didn't even look at the clock because I was so into your story. A lot of sevens. Seven's my number. That's what I went on at the casino, too. I'll tell you that. Well, maybe it should be our number. Yeah, I think you need to bet on seven, okay? It's time. But I'm so excited for your story because, and we were talking about this right before we hit record, but... We talk all the time about the search for Superman. We lovingly coined that wonderful search that because you get crazy in this search for Superman. Things can get out of hand and things can get trying crazy. Trying to find and your donor we, for new, new listeners. Yeah, right. That right. For trying to find your donor, which is the search for Superman. And we have never actually like just honed in on the search. And you guys are the perfect couple to hone in on this search for because it took you seven years. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it was lucky we started early. <laughs> yeah, because I knew it would take a, a while, but I was thinking maybe two years. But, uh... Yeah. Well, l- l- give <laughs> oh us some, before we go into the search, can you just tell us a little bit about how you all met and like how you decided you were ready to have kids and all that jazz? Yeah, um, well, we met through, yeah, mutual friend at the 21st and kind of, saw each other at parties and we were interested in each other but I am not much of a dater and so we didn't really do like proper I dating. I think my thing is yeah like we had a kiss once but then I moved overseas like the next week um yeah so things just kind of never the timing it was glacial right. and then it eventually happened and then we were of course like ready to you hold it like I I held out and then um yeah we waited a whole year before we lived (laughs) together so that was pretty amazing (laughs) yeah and then with kids like I don't know I think we both always knew that that was something in the picture and we did start that search oh it started because a friend was moving overseas and we always kind of thought you know in like our minds he'd be the kind of perfect 
person to help us start our family. He was a mutual friend of ours, a beautiful, really clever gay man who we knew didn't really want to have kids of his own. So when he said he was moving, it kind of brought up for us like, you know, I guess we were still only been dating a couple of years. Yeah, like we weren't ready to start then, but we were like, you know, yeah, this is who we'd want. So yeah, so I decided like I'd have a chat with him and it was really, I don't know, I was like, we joked about it in the past with friends and I don't know, I was kind of thinking, oh, it'll be really fun and we'll kind of gauge where he's at. And then I was so nervous. I, I like, we met for a drink and I think it took me an hour before I even like brought it up. I just like five like, drinks later. Exactly. <laughs> um, and it was really crazy because he, his response was really unexpected. He was basically like, this is like a huge philosophical question about bringing life into this world. You were like, and is I, it? You know, like, yeah, well, for him it is. I mean, it um, is, it like, is. Yeah, never thought about it really. And yeah, he was like, oh, you know, this is really big and I have to, I have to kind of think, he's quite a philosopher. And it, we were just like, I was like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> this is going to take too <laughs> long. Yeah, yeah it would take like a lifetime of soul searching, I think. Did, did you know yeah. going into this that you were like, I need to have a known donor? I think I did. Yeah, I just always thought you go to the sperm bank and you pick a donor and then that's just kind of how it happens. And I was happy just to go with Lou's approach of a known donor and then actually was much more on board after we went to this um, conference run by Rainbow Families. It's like a community-based organization in Mm -hmm. Sydney and they run a lot of really fantastic events for Rainbow Families. Um, And there was a session there from a a counsellor Um, And she was a psychologist and she was just talking about that idea of identity and like knowing who you are from when you're young. And I think. Well, it's interesting because she said the long-term studies show the outcomes are the same for children, whether they have known or unknown. Oh, that's interesting. But through the kind of teenage years. (laughs) Yeah. And like we both had high school friends who didn't know their biological biological family family until they were like 18 and just seeing that kind of. it was very hard. I think my friend had a lot of health issues and that was kind of unanswered for her. Um, mm. And yeah, just the identity. Yeah. So we felt like, okay, if uh, we have a known donor, it's going to be harder for us as parents, but for him at least the kind of the questions he might have in those years will be answered throughout. So anyway, after I kind of reflected on that, I was like hundred percent on board. No donor. Let's yeah. And my so. cousin um, had adopted children as well. And that in Australia, all adoptions are open adoptions now. And oh. um, kind of talking with her around, you know, that process for their family. And I think it's been a really, you know, it's challenging, but a really positive thing for the kids as well. So mm-hmm. I think that was that motivation um, and I'm just like, the more love, the better, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then when totally you start really that. thinking about it, you're like, well, it adds complexity. <laughs> it adds risk. It's, you know, like. I think that's really interesting because either way you go about this, known donor or unknown donor, you're taking a gamble. You're taking exactly. a risk. I mean, mm-hmm. our families take a risk when we embark on this process. And that just speaks to the strength of of us and what we go through and and how we come up with these decisions to go the route we did. We have reasons for every single decision we made. What you said, one thing, Rosie, you said uh, that we knew it might be harder. What did you mean by that? Were you referring to the complexities of the relationship? Yeah, well, because, and this was another thing that came up at that conference. They had people who had, you know, agreed to be donors beforehand and then afterwards that relationship with the children changed like they were originally prepared to just kind of be hands off not really have a close relationship with the child and you know this baby comes into the world and that all shifts you know they do want more contact and I think for that family it worked and for us that is what we want but um you know we've seen cases like there was one like legally previously we had been quite protected you know you've got the donor you've got the parents but there was one case where Actually, right at the time we were going through this process, like seriously going through, there was a a case in Australia that went to our highest court where there was a known donor who had been kind of involved as a kind of uncle figure in the child's life. And the the mums wanted to move back to the home country that one was from, from, to New Zealand, and the donor blocked them from moving. Oh, my Um, God. And it went all the way, yeah, to our highest court, and the court 
held that it was because the test for us is whether what's in the best interest of the child. So in any kind of family court proceeding. So it doesn't matter what you kind of agree before you have the child. Um, It comes down to if you have a continuing relationship with a known donor, it could be, you know, in the hands of someone else to decide what's in your child's best interest and by involving the donor, you know, that can change. What did they decide that they they couldn't move? They couldn't move back. Yeah. So if they hadn't been in touch with the donor in any way and he didn't have a relationship, it might have been a different outcome? Absolutely. I think he was like working at the school tuck shop, you know, like helping yeah, out I think and involved in it. And, um, was he on the birth certificate? Oh, I think you're right. I think actually there was an extra level of complexity in that case because the, they couldn't prove the women that they're in a de facto relationship at the time that they got pregnant. Um oh. Even, yeah, anyway, there were some complicating factors, but I read the judgment, I've got a legal background, and um, I think there were some really questionable parts in that judgment, um, which worried me a little bit. But I guess for us, we kind of decided, you know, if depending on the relationship we build with the donor, it's decided that it's in our child's best interest to have that continue you know, that's kind of what we were signing up for. You know, that was the choice. Yeah, we, we wanted making. like an uncle figure. We wanted someone who was a part of our baby's life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and it was so funny because you start out thinking like, what will they be like? Like, what are their interests and their looks? And then you're like, what if one of us dies? What if we get divorced? Like yeah. it goes to the kind of complete opposite end of just all the practical legal issues. Mm-hmm. We say that all the time. Yeah. And we talk about how the things you think are going to be important are not at all what ends up being important. You know what you, you know what I mean? Like and it's mm-hmm. like what you think parenting is going to be is never what it is. It's just like one has an idea going into it. And it's maybe not accurate. <laughs> yeah, and I think our families, rainbow families, LGBTQ+ plus families discover that maybe earlier on than others because we have to grapple with these complex questions and we have to start really digging in deep and well, what would happen if one of us dies? What would happen, you know? So it's never what you think it's going to be. Mm-mm. And it's never easy to make these decisions. And you're just rolling the dice and getting ready and you're going. <laughs> yeah. And it was it's like a gambling. I have a gambling. Yeah. Game you do, Jamie. You do. I'm going to keep it going. Get some, some lottery seven. tickets. Get some lottery tickets. <laughs> but yeah, I think I kind of thought it was the, it was a clearer decision for us at the beginning of this process. Whereas Rosie was kind of studying the other place. And then I was kind of, once we started going through the steps, I still felt like it was probably the, like, I felt like if we could find the right person, it was the right decision, but it did kind of open my mind to, if we couldn't find that person, obviously we had to make. Yeah. And I kind of had the other direction, which was like, originally, yeah, you pick occupation, eye color, whatever, from a list. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, I was like, I want someone who's got this like, you know, good temperament and is, you know, have similar values to us and yeah, completely resilient. That's that's the search for Superman that it becomes almost like you, it's almost like you're picking like Mary and I were like, it felt like we were picking someone we were trying to date versus like getting (laughs) sperm. It was like, and later we were just like that one. But in the beginning it was (laughs) like. It was like, I don't know, he sounds weird. And that, you know, it's just like you could turn into a crazy person. You do. And I never got over it. Like if I had to pick another donor, it would have been a whole nother. You say that, but that's because you had one donor and you were able to like keep that donor. We weren't. We had we had I moved heaven and earth to keep that donor. I I went to Columbia. I I moved I moved heaven and earth. But then it was just like at that point that maybe that's what it took was to be Mm -hmm. like no, it's not happening. You just got to, you have to just move on. I want a baby. That's what I care about. Oh, but then I guess we had that experience and then that kind of kickstarted for me this like obsession <laughs> with working out how we were going to do this. And I, like, I guess at the time there weren't a lot of resources around making rainbow families. Mm-hmm. So I was reading like these really niche kind of blogs on the internet about like, you know, lesbian with cancer journey or, you know, like these really particular stories, but I, you know, learned a lot from that. But yeah, I kind of went down this rabbit hole of Googling. It was good because most of it I could just leave to her and then she emerged with your podcast and then that's when I joined in. Years later after all my (laughs) terrible (laughs) reading. Because you have to, you have to like scour the internet. You have to 
like you said, Louise, you have to go down all these random rabbit holes to like maybe, oh, here's like something in this. Oh, there's a paragraph. There's a paragraph here that has to do with what I'm going through. Oh, and then, oh, oh, this one has, you know, and then, oh, they referred to this. Let me go check this one. You go down this crazy rabbit hole and you're, you only get snippets of information that you mm-hmm. have to piece together. Yeah, and I think I had one, a friend of a friend who used a sperm donor. They had kids. But we didn't, I guess because we were only in our mid-20s, we kind of didn't have friends who were having kids at that time. Which makes but it even harder. we did have um, one of Rosie's best friends and her sister. They have two mums. So we actually had the kind of experience of talking to a child. Well, both of them um, have known donors. So that was one of our other main starting points, was kind of learning from their lived experience. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, Jamie, before we go any further, I have to say that if these ovaries could talk is supported by First Republic Bank with a best in class banking app that allows you to bank anywhere, anytime and a dedicated personal banker when you need one on one service. First Republic is uniquely positioned to offer the best of both worlds. With this combination of personal attention and convenience, it's no wonder that First Republic Bank has a client satisfaction rating two times the industry average. So whether you're opening a personal line of credit or planning for your retirement, you can count on First Republic to be there for you every step of the way. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. I've always wanted to say that. You'd got to say it. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so to take you back on your journey, philosophy guy, he's out. Like he's, 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 this is, this is crazy talk. We can't, I don't even know where you'll be on paperwork. Like, bye. Thank you for coming. <laughs> but, Can you but imagine you gotta, the paperwork yeah, though? No, he'd be like, oh, I'm going to need a day to think about this. And he'd be like, sign it. But like, so you, but you got over the hump of having to ask your first person, what took you yes. to your next donor possibility? Yeah, where you go? It was probably a couple of years, I'd say. And it was interesting because they actually offered to us to be the donor and so neither of us have brothers but we both have sisters and um, one of our sisters husbands or partner they kind of were really excited I guess we've been talking to them about you know we're getting more serious about this and they're I have a question for you yeah we don't know we don't know this yet have you decided who's going to be carrying or you wanted to get the donor first I think we had a vague idea like because I'm older so I think we had a sense that I'd carry and because we both have one other sibling, we thought maybe, you know, having two kids, I carry the first, Lou carries the second. But that's, I guess, the other thing that happens in our, our journey is that right. that was our starting point, that mm-hmm. we felt like we had this choice and, you know, we'd take turns, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, things never quite work out the way you think. Sure um, so then, yeah, at the same time that we had that journey, I then started having my own gynecological journey. Um which yeah, oh, kind of those happened in parallel to this. But anyway, that that wasn't so bad at this point. I think I think my stuff was okay. Yeah, that was when it was just the beginning. <laughs> yeah, so I think they knew how much we wanted to start a family, and you know they wanted to help that make that happen. But they hadn't started their own family yet at that point. So yeah, so it was kind of like we had this absolute elation because we're like, you know, he'll be the child's uncle regardless, and you know, like he, we love him. He's already kind of part of our family. We know his family, you know, all the stuff of the unknowns were like, oh, you know, tick, 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 tick. But then, yeah, there were two issues. One, of course, the main issue being that they hadn't had their own family. And we were like, have you really thought this through? Because Mm -hmm. what if we have his biological child and you have, you know, a struggle having, yes. And they were like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) No, we haven't. Yeah, their heart yet. was in it, but they hadn't done the thinking. So it's anyway, it's kind of like, sweet, like, though, right? It's kind yeah. of sweet that they just jumped in without even thinking about the ramifications or what <laughs> yeah. it might mean to them. Like, that's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and I think, sweet. luckily, because we knew how hard the journey can be for people, we were like, yeah, hold your horses, <laughs> have a think about it. Um, and then, of course, you know, they they did have a think and were like, you know, yeah, we'll we'll start our family. But I think that had kind of planted the seed that in my mind, all the kind of challenges of having someone that we knew, but, you know, weren't as close and there were all these unknowns in one sense, this kind of took away a lot of fears because my sister ended up marrying him and they had a child. And so then 
it kind of came up again. Well, in a way, because we, after that, had kind of gone, okay, well, that's kind of out. So, well, I think I held on. Yeah, like let's think about who would want to ask. Because it was left at just let's have a think. So there was no definitive answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the time it was kind of a no. I think we were in limbo for years. Yeah, we were a bit in limbo. So, anyway, in the meantime, we'd like gotten more into, okay, we do want to start a family because until this point, it hadn't been really like let's action it, you know. But then we got Um, married and we were like, we got married. And Rosie's like, my biological clock is ticking. Well, I just knew it could take a while. So like my mum had said, you know, her friends who had a baby, I don't know, I guess it was the 80s. A lesbian couple. Yeah, lesbian couple. They'd asked their donor and it took him a year and then his partner a year to kind of answer. So I was like, you know, we're looking at a long time just to get that first kind of answer. So I wasn't quite ready to start then, but I I was ready to start asking people, getting an answer so then we could start the actual fertility journey, which also you know we know it can take a long time so yeah um, yeah yeah I just want to know where is this magical place that you grew up Rosie where you know like all the gays in the world like I'm so jealous of your (laughs) upbringing oh you know we're in Sydney so it's not too hard to find (laughs) no but I think you did have quite a unique experience yeah Yeah. I mean what was so funny with my friends who had the two mums is they were the most like my family is a single mum family and you know, my other friends, but you'd go to their place and theirs was the most like, okay, Rosie, you've got to go. My daughter's got to do her homework, blah, blah, blah. Like they were the most kind of like nuclear in that sense or traditional, right, like right. really they, ha- they had their shit together. Yeah. And I kind of had, I think the opposite experience. I didn't know anyone who had like gay two mums or anything like that. And oh my gosh, it makes me cringe even thinking about it. But I remember once having a conversation with our friend who has two mums. I didn't know at the time she had two mums and she was asking like, oh, in the future, you know, would you want to have kids? And I was like, oh, you know, I do. But it's, even though I'm gay, it seems like, I don't know, it was like a weird thing for me to kind of, like I knew obviously I was going to have a child with my female partner, but it was such a heteronormative headspace that I was like, oh, I still find it kind of like, a bit unusual that I have to kind of do it in this other way. And she was like, yes, yes. And then I found out she had two moms and I was like, oh, my God. I'm sure you weren't the first person. Yeah, I'm sure you weren't the first person to go through that with her. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it was interesting that, yeah, you had that, like, super queer experience. Yeah, I guess it it did form in my head that kind of picture of what what having a family in the future. Well, because at the time I thought I was bisexual. <laughs> Didn't um, we all? We all went through that. <laughs> yeah, and um, but I always had a vision like I'll I'll be settled down with a woman and my kids, you know. So like I guess mm-hmm. their family planted this picture in my head of what my future family might look like, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we started writing a list of people we thought would be great people to ask, but it turns out it wasn't the longest list because. Anyone that we knew who was still starting their family, we thought kind of was off limits. And, you know, we have a lot of female friends. <laughs> so, um, and I guess like, what men do we know? Let's write a <laughs> yeah, list right. of those names. <laughs> but, you know, we had one name and it was. Our Lou, brothers. Yeah, like at least. Brother-in-law. Our brother-in-law's brother. brother. And um, but- Because we were like, same deal. You know, he's already part of our lives. His family's part of our lives. He's a really lovely person. He's a bit of a free spirit. Like I could kind of imagine him being open to it. And I think Mm -hmm. we actually asked my brother-in-law if we could ask him because we were like having gone through that process of talking to him, we kind of thought we'd talk to him first. And then he was like, oh, but what if I still want to do it? Yeah. (laughs) And the competition starts. I was first. I was first on this list. Yeah. So it felt like we needed kind of clearance from him before we could broach the question with and so he's like let me think about it for like a month and then it turns into like a few months and it was another month then another month and meanwhile I was going crazy because I was like oh my god you're always waiting yeah I'd rather a no than another month whereas I was like what you know I'm not a fatalistic person but I was like what you know whatever happens it's because it's the right thing to happen so if he needs time to think it through, like let's give him that time and space with no pressure because, you know, it's a huge decision and we're only going to go ahead if everyone's 100%. Like if there's any doubt, it's not the right thing for us to do. 
And of course, there's doubt <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. But it became really clear that in a way, I think we were too close because they ended up being our neighbors. We were helping them when they had a child with their child. And I think he kind of couldn't separate himself. Yeah. Well, eventually, we after a year, I was like, it's a new year. I can't do this anymore. Let's just. And it was clear, like if you aren't 100% in, then the answer had to be no. Yeah. So anyway, when we did kind of say, I, I don't think it's going to happen because, you, you know, you seem to have doubts and he he was like, yeah, like I think he he couldn't separate himself from that idea of being more than a donor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to know, were you asking him, like it's a year, so are you asking him during yes. this year or are you just like And how did you wait a year? How do you do that? Um, I think I kept kind of bringing I up was nudging Lou to ask him repeatedly, but I yeah. think Lou was giving him space. Yeah, I just felt like it's the, like, you, you know, like we needed an answer, but we didn't want anyone to feel pressured. And I guess I really wanted it to work out and maybe I knew in my heart, like if, you, if you're not sure, the answer is no. So yeah. Um, yeah, and it was it was interesting because then by the time he was, I think, then happy with us talking to his brother, his brother had met this woman and then he was moving overseas to be with her. So we were like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> so did you have your little list and you were like, next? <laughs> so that was a bust. And then, oh, there was an, actually another friend of ours who had raised to us or to me randomly one day that he thought about being a donor for a lesbian couple. And I was, he's a really lovely guy. And I was like, this is really unusual. So I don't know. I was like, is he hinting? I don't know. So then we were like, you know, we weren't super close to him, but he's like a really great person. And I think we'd be really respectful. And so we're like, oh, maybe we'll ask him. And then I think when I started to, well, the the men on our list, we started kind of spending more time with, because we're like, before we talk about it, (laughs) we should go see a movie. We're having a dinner. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing this weekend, Bill? <laughs> but then it turned out he met the love of his life and then they were getting, you know, about to have a baby. So we were like, that's so exciting. We're like, oh, no, another <laughs> yeah, cross, cross out. <laughs> but, you know, we were, we were bringing, like, good oh, things yeah. to all the people on our list because they all seem to be, you know, coupling up <laughs> and moving everything. <laughs> you have the right instincts. You do. <laughs> yeah, and then You're there was picking winners. Friend. I'd always thought it would be really great, but he was much closer friends with me. Like Rosie hadn't known him until we were together. And yeah, I think you were kind of like, I don't really know him that well, but we started spending more time together because I was like, you know, (laughs) maybe this could work. And he'd been in a relationship for a long time with his, and he was gay. I don't know. I always had in my mind it would be like a gay male friend. Mm -hmm. And anyway, we're getting really close to asking him. I think we'd, we just spending quite a lot of time together. And then we went to his house. I think it was the day we were going to ask. And he's like, guess what? We're moving overseas for three years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, oh we're my so God. excited for you. But, like, come on. I have just, oh like, such God. an image of the two of you, like, in bed with, like, the covers pulled up to your chins, be like, can you believe that shit? Like, just, like, we were going to ask. And then, Another and then you're like, and then you, and then one of you, like Rosie, pulls out the notebook from her the side table, and she's like, "Cross him off. Let's go on to the next page." Like it I was just hysterical. It. it was literally like every like, how did this timing like happen so perfectly? And I can't it just remember keeps the happening. sequence of her. Like I don't know it's all a big blur, but um, I remember it was the day after we'd kind of got we discussed a no with the brother-in-law that we had brunch with. Oh, that's right. I left that one really important person, probably (laughs) the most important, aside from our final donor (laughs) in this journey. Yeah, that's right. It was the day after I think we things hadn't worked out with our brother-in-law or with his brother, and we met up with friends of ours who are a gay male couple, and they were going through their own journey, you know, to have their family, which has a whole other level of complexity to Mm -hmm. it, surrogacy. Mm -hmm. Because in Australia, there's very few adoptions that occur every year. It's like under 20 through the this public system. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. So you and can. And surrogacy as well is like, it's. Um, Why is altruistic that? Altruistic surrogacy. So I think it's probably the history of adoption in this country that there was kind of a lot of like major interference by the state in 
maybe forced sterilizations or and there's the stolen you know, generation removing well, so. children from their families particularly with our first nations people and a terrible kind of history of of forced removal of children and so our government uh. kind of looked at what had happened and took a, a complete turnaround and then went to a system where there's a lot of permanent care placements in foster system rather than adoption but now we've seen the last kind of 10 years a bit of a swing back the other way because actually what's happening in reality is that more children are being removed from their families mm-hmm. particularly in our first nations communities but they're not put in permanent situations so in many ways it's actually as traumatic for the children as yeah, you're still being like removed from your family from you're just not home yeah to home. But you were going to say something about surrogacy. Yeah. So surrogacy in Australia isn't very straightforward either in the sense that you can't just, you know, go to a, what do you call it? Not a clinic. Agency. An agency and then get linked to a surrogate and you just kind of proceed on that journey. It's actually you need like an altruistic surrogacy. So it's unpaid. unpaid. Like you cover yep. the cost, like uh, the medical costs, but it means that there's very few Yeah, I mean, who surrogates. wants to go through pregnancy and not be oh financially compensated <laughs> for the damage it does yeah. to your, I mean, exactly. you know, yeah. your, your lady parts. And it's very complex as well, particularly for gay men, because overseas surrogacy is illegal here. So if you do an overseas surrogacy and you bring your child home, then you can't actually get a court order to be parents of the child. <gasps> so you can, wow. in practice, parent your child and you can get a, you know, a state medical card to access services, but you're not going to be the child's parents on the birth certificate and that you know opens you up to a whole range of potential wow issues. that's crazy yeah. so it's a tough road for for men yeah, yeah. i think it's a the, the basis is to protect everyone involved and that's yeah. the idea of taking money out the equation but having seen a friend go through an altruistic surrogacy i think we'd say that um one that's really um ethically done and well supported is probably going to be less pressure on everyone involved than this system. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah but anyway, that was the friends that had we were having brunch with. Um, okay. They were yes, kind back of, to the brunch. But so, so, so that had a, a a woman who I don't know at that stage if they had a surrogate. But anyway, yeah, um, I think they did have a surrogate, but they were still going through you know the process of having to do the IVF screening and, and the screening, yeah. and it takes you know a really long time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, out the blue, our friends offered to be the donor for our child. These friends that were going through surrogacy process. Yeah, and of course, we thought they're going through this huge journey, you know, that's really hard. So we'd never kind of. But Lou and one of them have been best friends since they were quite young. So he offered and you were like, we probably shouldn't. You just like your gut is saying. No, I was like, I cried. We all cried. It was so beautiful. We were like, this is it. It was so exciting. I just couldn't believe it. And then it was like, oh, (laughs) probably there's a reason um, that it was a bit too good to be true. Um, And it was, yeah, it was really, it was just the timing. It all comes down to timing because your dad had been quite unwell. He'd been in the hospital He'd had a significant health issue, and it turns out that he had a, a condition that could be genetic. So you've been seeing a specialist to find out if you had the same condition. And although you couldn't see that you had it, it can emerge at any time. Mm-hmm. And it turns out our friend who offered has another genetic condition that affects the same organ. Uh, and so when we were talking to the specialist, she was like, "Why of all the donors in all the world? Why would you choose yeah, one with why would you ch- of all the <laughs> donors?" Like, you don't understand. We've been through all the donors in all the world. <laughs> oh, MG. I mean, at this point, are you looking up to the sky like, "What do you want from me?" <laughs> Well, I wasn't really willing to let it go because I kind of really felt like this was the right thing for us. Like I was. Yeah. So Lou was still my yeah, heart was very, there. very touched this idea. I was kind of like, why would we go? Because we were going to do the whole like, you know, not turkey based, but, you know, we're going to do the at home route, not have it too medicalized. And this was going to shift it completely to IVF, genetic screening you know, cutting down the total number of sure. um, embryos, like all of this. Let me, ask, let me ask a question. Why didn't you consider switching to... To Lou. To Lou. I think by that point I had been on my own journey and things had gotten oh. pretty bad with you my that, right? gynecological situation. Yeah, I had um, 
it was weird. It was a weird process to go through these journeys side by side because most of the time I kind of felt like I was dealing with that stuff and that was separate to what we were going through. But then it was getting so bad that I was kind of considering a hysterectomy and I couldn't, yeah, I just couldn't make that decision knowing that we hadn't even tried to get pregnant. And yeah, but then I was like, I was just having such a hard time. I was like bleeding profusely. I couldn't leave the house. It was like my whole life was basically turned upside down. I was so, Mm. you know, so down and just, yeah, I just couldn't work. It just became terrible. And um, yeah, so we just decided that, you know, I, I felt like where I'd had a choice that was kind of completely off the table. And I was going through surgeries myself. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really interesting. I was this highly medicalized <laughs> situation <laughs> by uterus. And we were trying to kind of have the opposite experience with making our family. Right. And then, okay, so one more question for you. Why didn't you switch to the other gay male in the couple? Um, he, he was not offering? Offered, and he was also going to be, because of the condition, the biological parent of the other child. So I it think felt it just, too. yeah, it was a yeah, bit yeah. complex. And I think as well, like, you know, Lou's attachment is because, yeah, it is like. Oh, yeah, uh, we love him. He's our friend's husband and we really love him. But, but it was about the, the other one. It was about the other right, guy. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so I we just talked like, to like a genetic counselor. Yeah. We talked to um, you know, family who were in medicine who knew people in genetics in the hospital. So we had all these different perspectives. Because we were like, maybe we could try, like, could we try and absorb the risk that we were like, or whatever. No, but I didn't couldn't. really want to like knowingly go into this situation only to term, you know, it just it's one thing it, to it, not know and to be like, oh, this exactly. is my my husband or whatever, and we made a baby and this yeah. happened. It's another to like willingly start off there. Exactly. And yeah. I just knew for me, I, I just couldn't do that. Oh, no. And then it became, you know, going down this road of, as you said, Rosie, like doing IVF, having to do the genetic screening, not knowing if we'd have success at all, if we'd even end up with an embryo. Mm cost and it's so tricky with this condition too because it doesn't really affect him so you're kind of like well if this child has the condition like him then they're gonna live a perfectly happy functioning pain-free life but it was but the spectrum is huge so it's like on the other end of the spectrum it's like you know they'd be having surgeries when they're a baby and you know just that idea of picturing having a baby and knowing like yeah i chose that for them yeah so yeah we couldn't do that but i found it really hard to let go of this idea i think i'd been really chill about it all superman you found your superman and And how do you let go of that so alike as well Mm -hmm. like yeah it was just kind of like our values are so aligned our attitudes are so aligned like i don't know and we just yeah i don't know just felt like this was it you know like it was going to be a part of you with, yeah. with Rosie, right. which you know, and that's I didn't really hard to let go care of. All about the biology or anything like that, but I think when it was like, oh, you just, I could just see it. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it was really hard. That took months actually to to work through. Yeah, and I think because I was yeah. going through my own stuff at the time as well, it was just really. I tried to keep it super separate in my mind, but it was really difficult. Yeah, I mean. I think that, I mean, it's, this is my theory, but I think that being the non-bio mom takes its toll, even if you don't even realize a lot of people, some people really, it doesn't matter to them and hats off to you. But I know for me, it was a huge deal. The fact that I wasn't going to be biologically connected to one of my kids. And I think that even on a non-surface level i think it affects more people than than really realize it affects them personally subconsciously that's what i think yeah subconsciously that's the word i was looking for you got this you got this yeah thanks robin (laughs) but do you know what i mean it was i do i do get it i i I don't know i felt like it didn't i don't think it was at all a thing for me until i felt like i had no choice Mm. like until that choice was taken away and then it was interesting because I was like, is it about being a biological mom? And I don't think that was it. I think. Well, you always wanted to carry at some point. I think that yeah, was what, what was hard about the well, kind door of was closed. process you went through. The yeah. door was closed. Like you said, and it wasn't closed because you shut it. It was closed for you. And that's always difficult. 
Yeah. And then I started mm-hmm. worrying, like I'd never, I think that's it. Having like friends and family who were adopted and like, that's not at all how I see like blood isn't family. And like, it really kind of made no difference to me. But then I was like, what if, what if I do end up having feelings because I had no choice? And I don't know, it just then became like, a. I guess it hadn't been a thing at all. But then because I was trying to decide, you know, what do I do with my decisions around my own body, it became really difficult, you know, because most of the treatment options I had would have made it impossible for me to carry a child. So yeah, it just became, it became very hard, but I was also like, I can't live, keep living like how I'm living. So. And it was also kind of a cruel twist of fate too, because I, you know, I felt like pregnancy was a means to an end, really. It wasn't like an experience that I desired, whereas Lude had always wanted to carry. So it was, yeah, a bit of a tough. Yeah, but I didn't mind to carry like my own biological child. I just like wanted to have that experience mm. of carrying the baby. Yeah, right. You wanted to be pregnant. You wanted that. Yeah. Because that's a whole so experience. Really, like, why would you? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's a parasite. What are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I understand we went through both. This, I understand yeah, both. this whole thing and it just turned out it wasn't the right thing for us yeah and thankfully when Lou spoke to him about it then because also he would have had to have been genetically tested so that they could do the genetic testing on the embryo and then that would have had ramifications for his insurance life insurance having and they were having their own by this point they were going through IVF to have their own child and then I was like that's taking it like another step into their lives um and when I spoke to him he was like listen if I had a choice between going down the road that we're going through with IVF or not, I'd choose not to do it. So, you know, if you'd use another known donor and you wouldn't have to go down this road, he was super supportive of, of that. But it was really, it was really hard. It was probably actually the hardest of the whole journey part for me, I think. It's a loss. I'm like exhausted for you guys at this point. I can't even (laughs) imagine. Yeah. So how many years in this must have been like six, five or six years in. It was a, yeah. Is the next is one lucky number seven? It is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <my. thank> <laughs> yeah. So we'd had, yeah. One friend we asked that didn't work out. Two people who offered that didn't work out. And then three people were going to ask, but that didn't work out. So then we were catching up with our friends, the ones who have two mums. We, you know, we're in a, our Xena club together where we get together every month and cook dinner and watch Oh, Zena. like Xena, the Xena Princess oh, Warrior? The Princess Warrior. <laughs> That's the gayest thing ever and I love it's it. So you are such lesbians. <laughs> and it was it, Lucy Lawless's birthday, just setting the stage. <laughs> yeah, and so our friends are asking like, oh, you know, you had dinner with your friend who you're going to ask, you know, to be your donor. How did it go? We're like, oh, he's moving overseas for three years. Like, okay. wow, wow, wow. And then I said something really dumb, like, you know, like, don't worry. Like, even though we felt pretty down, we were like, it's okay. Like, it wasn't meant to be. Like, sperm will fall from the sky. Like, it's going to happen for us. We're going to find the right person. Um, <laughs> if only. <laughs> it's okay. It's like doing a rain dance. Make it rain. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then they kind of looked at each other and were like, you know, we've actually talked to one another and we're interested in donating or like being so donated. These were these are the sisters that had gay moms, but they had partners. Yeah. They have male yeah. partners. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the partners. sisters and her partner who'd been together a long time. Yeah. Um, so he was a part of the Xena club as well. And yeah, um, he was. He's watched Xena from start yeah, to Yeah, so finish, she'd forced you know. him to watch the whole <laughs> And now he's like loves it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and we were flawed. Like, cause we had said to them, like they were the people at the very beginning, being, you know, her and her sister, the children of a lesbian couple with known donors, that we had kind of gone to for advice and we'd shared like warts and all, like all of it. You know, like yeah. we wouldn't have said all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, we would have built it a little bit. <laughs> if we knew that they had like any inkling of of, of being part of this because yeah like it was only kind of to pick their brains and to try to think from our child's experience what 
what how things would be and they were pregnant at the time as well so we were just like what what was- no, like are you sure like they're going through this <laughs> yeah we were so shocked we're, we're gonna like- give you a year to think about this yeah no <laughs> just not at this point they are not Jamie. no they well, are we not were. we were like oh no well, yeah like- well they, they still had to have their baby we were going to go overseas so like how about yeah we wait till you have your baby and we wait a few months we'll come and back we- and we'll talk but actually i think before that we met up maybe a few weeks but later. we were squealing you know like oh. we left we played it cool. We got in the car and like, oh my God, is that- <laughs> how were you yeah. guys so patient with all this waiting? Like, I don't understand how you could be so patient. Well, it's I so wonderful. We kind of knew this was the one. Like, I think we both immediately, like, we didn't have to even say anything to each other. We were like, this is it. So we were like, oh my God, this is it. So we really want this. And it was good happen. too, because we'd spoken to her sister and we we're like, you know, we just want to give them time, like just in case they change their mind. She's like, she never changes her mind. So you know, that was some good, good reassurance. And it was true. We got back and we met up and they hadn't had any second thoughts about it. And because either. they'd heard like our entire story and like all of our fears and stresses and everything, when we sat down, because I'd like gone through all these like therapy things and like all the questions you'd ask and blah, blah, Because I was like, we'll go to therapy and this and that. And we were like, oh, well, we already, like they know everything from our perspective. Um, so we just had like a few questions, well, a few, I probably had like 20 questions, <laughs> 30 questions for them. But when we asked them, it was like, they said they'd thought about donating for another couple, lesbian couple in the past. So it's something they'd thought about for a long time. And they were then living now with her mum, one of her mums. So they were living in this house. And so he kind of had this lived experience of living in, you know, with like a lesbian household and she her donors involved and they have like you know I think a great relationship but it all they all have their challenges well it's good because they know the difference between being a donor and being a parent essentially Mm -hmm. and so when Mm -hmm. we're asking these questions you know the answer was pretty much either letting the child kind of lead how those things go like you know what they call the donor or what have you and then the other questions were pretty much like oh well you're the parents that's your decision so things about moving overseas baptism all that stuff it's like Oh no, that's your decision. You're the parents. So oh, amazing. It, that's what you want to hear. Yeah. They were completely on the same page. And I think they were more with it than we were. Yeah. I think we had all these fears and like, oh no, that's nothing to do with us. We're like, oh, okay. Amazing. <laughs> because being, you know, with other people who did have feelings about that. Whereas, you know, she had a lived experience and he had a lived experience of what it was like being in a family with two mums and a known donor. And so they had this kind of blueprint for how it could be a really positive relationship with really clear boundaries. And um, yeah, so we just kind of had no fears. And it turned out, because there were really, you know, difficult questions, like what if we had to terminate a pregnancy or we were in these difficult situations? And that was stuff I thought like we'd never speak to the donor about, but we could have really open conversations with them around that. And it just felt like nothing, nothing was kind of off limits and it was really comfortable. Well, so there's no spoiler here because we saw the baby. But like, (laughs) so it happened fairly easily for you? Yeah, well, we told ourselves because we'd seen other people's kind of journeys and how hard and long, you know, how much it can affect your mental health, really. So we were like, okay, at what point are we going to reevaluate? What point are we going to move to IVF and so on? And so we were like, okay, we'll do six tries and then we'll kind of question whether we want to continue that way. And you'd seen your GP before we started trying because we were like, should we get some basic testing done like should I'd had like every test under the sun so it's like oh you can do this you can do that but your doctor kind of yeah I was like yeah should we start by just checking things out and she was like oh no like just um it, it doesn't necessarily indicate whether you can or can't get pregnant even if you know it's a high or low follicle count so she said just try first and I guess maybe she must have put that six months into my head and then kind of look into things so by the time we got to this um you know, would pass that sixth try. Then Lou had done more research, of course, and <laughs> come across this idea of a lipoidal flush, which um, they don't necessarily, I, I don't know, know why it works, but it seems to have a really like positive effect. Yeah, for unexplained infertility. Is, did what is did you have that change? What is it called? Lipoidal flush? No, what is what, this? what the hell is that? Oh, okay. I thought you I- had the answer the whole time. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't call Jamie. Well, it's that I don't know. It's they they flush through your fallopian tubes, mm-hmm. an oil, 
So it came from like a, I guess, old wives tradition. Um, I don't know where from, but um, yeah, now it's like, I guess, a bit more medicalized, but um, yeah, they do like a scan and then flush this oil through. Well, actually, I think it used to be an oil in the old wives days. I think now it's um, like a saline. Whatever it is, it's very expensive. (laughs) Always iodine is. is it or something okay well i don't know i did I'll it, i did something just to make sure my fallopian tubes are clear yeah they, that probably sounds like it maybe that's what it is but it didn't yeah. help me get pregnant it just um just told me nope nothing's wrong <laughs> yeah well with Lou's cousin who had had um trouble conceiving and ended up going down ivf she'd done the lipoidal flush and you know so i don't think it is like a any kind of guarantee, but we just thought, you know, if we're going to then try for another six months, let's just, you know, optimize our chances, I guess. And let's clean house. Do that. And actually, yeah, let's clean house. And so that actually we know made a huge difference, not because of the flush itself, but because the technician, she was like, here's your follicle. If you're going to con- try and conceive, do it on the Monday. And we oh. had planned to do it on the Tuesday based on the previous times, you know, like the dates and everything. And so that morning, my reading said low fertility. So we definitely wouldn't have been doing it that day. But afterwards, it had a peak. So it was literally that was the window to do it. Um, That's awesome. So who knows how much it was the flush and how much it was the fact that we just got the timing spot on because we'd had that. And how much was the universe just knowing you two had had enough? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and it worked. And then you had a baby. Yeah. It was wild. What a journey, you two. What a journey. And everything is happily ever after. Yeah, well, the pregnancy went really well and the baby's wonderful. And yeah, so it's like a global pandemic. But, you know, aside from that. (laughs) There's that. Let's pretend that's not happening. (laughs) But it was amazing timing because we got pregnant, was it like end of January, February? And then obviously in March, things kicked off. So we maybe couldn't have even kept trying for a while Mm. if we hadn't gotten pregnant at that time because we had to go and meet up with the donor and they were living like an hour and a half away from us. So it was just amazing timing. And also we'd just been through a really bad bushfire season. So all these babies um, had been born, like the smoke had affected the women's placenta. And I was just stressed oh, during that really time stressful. too. I kept waking up in the middle of the night thinking like, what if I am pregnant and I'm bringing them into the apocalypse? You know, it was like, yeah. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I, I wasn't ready at that point. So yeah, oh, the timing God. ended up perfect. Oh, oh, I'm so glad it worked out. And I'm so glad you reached out to us to share this so that we could like really do a deep dive into the donor search. Cause it's like, that is just you two kept hope alive and you kept at it and, and now you have a baby. It's wonderful. I know. That was some tenacity. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> you stuck with it. So good job. Good job. Oh. Oh, those two. Come on. They had me at the If These Overs Could Talk Zoom background. Come that on. That was amazing. Stop it with that. I, I mean, I that still was need above to figure and out how to do that. It really was. I love them. <laughs> I really, really, really love them. But it was just also so cool, like breaking a topic down on that detailed mm-hmm, level and mm-hmm. hearing their story. And I mean, their level of patience and, and ability to wait, I do not have that. It's pretty impressive. They're yeah. impressive. I know. Yet again, my mind is blown by guests of ours. Look at this. Look Yet at again, this. another couple who takes their baby, sets them down, and then just comes in and does an interview and the baby I doesn't can't. cry. I, don't I just, even it's understand. come on. That doesn't come happen for on. us. What else do you have to tell our listeners? I think you guys should all go and get our book, If These Ovaries Could Talk, the things we've learned about making an LGBTQ family, and you're going to get it at all major retailers, and you can also buy it locally just by checking IndieBound, and you're going to find it. And also tell your library to get it. Everybody should have this book. Obviously. Get it. Come on. You should also get the audiobook because Robin and I read it, and it's yes. full of fun. It's great. It's and we wonderful. don't interrupt each other in the audiobook, Jamie. No, so it's even better than listening to the podcast. Podcast. Why the did podcast. I say it like that? The podcast. You just okay, got very so, high, bro. I know. If you don't get it, don't be afraid to review it on Amazon. I mean, if you do get it, don't be afraid. Review our book, please. And please, if you would, don't forget we have a live oh on Thursday. Oh, stop <laughs> it! Oh my god, mine's awful. Mine's like horrible. So Professor mine. McGonagall. Oh, Yours was pretty good. I don't um, know. Don't forget we have a live stream on Thursday. And it is at 4 p.m. Eastern. We love when you all just join us for the live stream and bring your questions and comments. And we we just love it. 
But if you miss it, if you can't be there, if you got a work day or something like that, or you got children or whatever it is you're doing Which with we your get time, it. we totally I mean, we're not get judging it. whatever you're no, doing, taking we totally naps. Get it. But you can watch it on YouTube if you missed it. So just don't mm-hmm. forget about our live stream, folks. Yeah, check us out. We're everywhere you didn't want us to be and You more. really don't want us there, but we're there. Let's keep this conversation going. Join us on social media. You guys, we are Ovaries Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are If These Ovaries Could Talk on YouTube. And we just are now also, should we announce this? Are sure. on TikTok. Sure. We are Ovaries Talk 3 on TikTok. For Why are we not reason. just Ovaries Talk? They wouldn't let me have it. God damn it. TikTok? I know. I think I think we have to wait a period of time, and then we can hopefully change it to Overstock. Talk. But if you're looking for us on TikTok, just it's search Overstock. Talk. <laughs> fine, you'll find us three, and we have like one. We have like one or one two video posts there that you can see on other but platforms. We need to. Well, we need <laughs> we to just we need to build up our following on TikTok. So oh, go over there and follow already. us if you're a TikTok fan. I love TikTok. We're gonna have so much fun. Anyway, okay, you okay. can also support the podcast, like we said, and join our community on Patreon at patreoncom talk. You're gonna get that bonus content and early episodes dropped. Okay, and thank you to our sponsor, First Republic Bank. Huge thank you to all you folks who are already Patreons and in our community. You are helping us make the show, and we cannot thank you enough. Oh, my God. Jamie, I need to get back to my ovaries. It's, we're on a getaway weekend. Let's wrap this. Let's go get back to these ovaries. I'm, get, I'm getting back to my getaway, Jamie. Eggs. Ovaries. Out. <laughs> out, out, out. If these uh, uh, ovaries could talk, they would say. Eggs, ovaries, out. <laughs>